Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has taken note of his people and sent them redemption, causing the horn of salvation to flourish for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke through his holy prophets who were from long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, showing devotion to our fathers and remembering his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to allow us to serve him without fear, with honesty and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Your deeds are great and fearsome, O Lord, God of legions. Your ways are righteous and true, King of nations. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and give honor to your name? For you alone are holy, for all the nations will come and bow before you, for your righteous judgments have been revealed. Blessed are you, O Lord, who has redeemed Israel. Amen. All right. Lesson 14. Um, I know a couple things hit you guys, as, uh, but I just want to walk through it real quick. And... With just the four of us, this should be a very exciting little cozy time. So let's talk about the birth of the church. So I'm sorry, what book was that in? Yeah, huh? <laughs> when did it happen? And how do we identify it? I, I know that, that we've talked before. If we're arguing with those that are, are, are worshiping in the church, their focus would be on Acts chapter 2 or on the cross, um, normally not on the birth. So my question about Simeon, Elizabeth, Zechariah, I think is, is a valid question for folks like um, that. Mary, in some ways, depending Mary, on... Yeah. Certainly Joseph, because he's out of the picture. That's true. I mean, Mary, you know, she's at the cross, so you could argue... Yeah, yeah. showed up at the end, yeah. So the reason that this is a kind of a tricky question is because... One thing, it, it's obvious that everything that took place in this book was done very, very publicly in the name of Yeshua. Like, every, that's the biggest difference. So you mentioned Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like, that's not a very public proclamation of, of the name of Yeshua. I think the biggest difference that we see here is that the, big, the, the, re, the only reason they're getting in trouble is not because they're doing anything different. Mm -hmm. It's because they're talking different. They're, okay. they're speaking different, and their teachings have okay. got, I mean, literally the, to the point where they say, you just can't talk in that name anymore. That's like, right. That's the hang-up. That's right. But, so, but why? Right. I mean, the, the, the Sadducees are, first off, the primary antagonists here. Right. Because they don't believe in the resurrection to begin with. They have a major issue with the resurrection, which is probably the apostles, if not number one, their, their number one B point yep. they're making. The other issue, and this is the one that they keep mentioning, so it would be a mistake of us to miss it, is that the disciples are correctly saying that they killed him. Which got them a little upset from time to time. They're not happy with that. Yeah. So, but, but I'm missing the point here, guys. I get that we have a difference in the book of Acts. I get that. I, I get that we've got a difference with the master himself walking on the planet. What I don't understand is, are we starting a new religion? No, but that's my point. Go back to the... the, the I beg your pardon. The reason why the Sadducees... Are sad, you see. No, no, no. no. Re, yeah, well, the reason why they're sad, you see, <laughs> is important is because they're not challenging the disciples over Messiah's death, resurrection, and forgiveness of sins. Resurrection, okay. maybe. But they're not challenging them because they're offering a new way to go to heaven. Or, now we're the people of God and you're not. Okay. If that's what was happening, the Sadducees, that would be the only thing they'd be talking about. True. I mean, that's 
I mean, for maybe for a lot of people who are not familiar with the history, they don't realize this, but from a Jewish perspective, that's earth-shattering and really is a different religion because Judaism argues that everyone who's born Jewish is automatically part of the people of God. End of story. Now, you can get cut out of that by doing certain terrible things, but unless you're one of those people, you're in. It's over. Now, the reward changes. Sure, I would argue that they're right. Right, and I don't, I don't disagree with that. But that has nothing to do with the place in the world to come. That's a different story. Um, but the, well, even, yeah, anyway, that's slightly, yeah. So, the point, so though, what, is that... what's your point that this, is your point that the Sadducees are not upset that these guys are starting something new? Right. They're just bringing up a theological point that they don't want promoted as much. I would say it's almost. I mean, it's their primary primary uh, theological difference from the from the from the other sects of Judaism. So it's a major deal, the resurrection. But actually, their bigger point really does seem to be almost a personality clash. They haven't. They've always had an issue with Yeshua, and now they're being accused of being the murderer of Mashiach over and over again. They really don't like that. So I think if we combine both of your comments, that the name of Yeshua, the person of Yeshua is the, the big difference here and preaching in his name and you're on they don't like the theology but really this guy's a problem for them maybe you could talk about resurrection we'd rather you not but you certainly can't as Greg said teaching this guy's name anymore right. so I definitely get that there is a change and we've got a, a name we can use now right and we've got definitely two or 200 guys that are strongly promoting the fact that Yeshua is the promised Mashiach. Totally. Absolutely. I'm still not clear when the church started, if it didn't start there. And it certainly wasn't the first time we heard about him, because we've got two references that should snap right out at us. Looking One in. was that, that Abraham, according to Yeshua, saw his day and rejoiced. That's the first one. And secondly, is that Moses made it clear that a prophet would rise up like him, another redeemer, and he had to be heeded. Looking in translations, I saw some anti-Semitic instances, such as in the King James with Acts 3.19. It says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Now, what are they going to convert from. They're already Jewish. They're already practicing Judaism. So this word converted in the Greek, and I can't read Greek, but it looks like epistropos day or something like that, which is to turn or to return, shuv. So in the complete Jewish Bible, it says, therefore repent and turn to God. Which is a better translation. Better translation. And, and so, the, oh, go ahead, sorry. Years, years prior to us, that's what they're reading. That's what they see. Right. And, and I think that when you talk about the church, the problem we run into is a matter of terminology. Because the, the church, uh, you asked, what does the church begin? And I would say never. The church, I mean, well, maybe third century Constantine. Church is a very bad word. It's not a Greek word. It's, I mean, we don't even really know exactly what its origins sure. are. Kirken, but, yeah. So you know, the point, though, is that like the um, but, but, the well, same word though in Greek is used to describe the assembly in the wilderness mm -hmm. with Moses. And, and if we look at our uh, translation standard in in the Septuagint, we certainly see that. 
Right. And what, actually see a call, but it's not just Septuagint. You know, it's actually in Paul's writings, he uses the same word talking about the congregation in the wilderness. Sure. So um, the concept of, of church creation, at the minimum, we're talking the formation of the people of God as a nation uh, in, in the wilderness. But, but more than that, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of fame of faith, and who's not mentioned is John, Peter, Paul, Mary. The rest of the carpenters. Yeah. <laughs> there are, right. Who is mentioned? <laughs> we start with Abel. I mean, I would say I would say the assembly of God seems to start with Abel, at least, if not Adam. Good. Good. All right. So, birth of the church? Probably not. All right. Well, yeah. Final comments there? Go ahead, sir. Well, I just, like, you know, they're talking about just how do we define church because like i uh i get like the assembly is just is one thing like the thing about the hall of faith and the thing about like all the other people pretty much ever mentioned are all of them are jews so it's like that is kind of like a a definite you know point on the side of judaism where it's like you you have to do something to get a part of this group, you know, right, like to right. be a Jew because right. all of those people were Jewish. That's like the one, the one common denominator between all those things besides the fact sure. that they were faithful to Hashem. Sure, but that's but, why they were there. Right. And, and then, so then the question is always like, what, what about us? Which we'll get into later with the whole gear thing. But the, the thing that there is just sometimes, you know, I'm pretty sure it was in this reading where it talks <laughs> about like, and and from then on or something like that, they were referred to as Christians. Yeah, that's not now. That's later. Is that? Yeah. Okay, I thought that was in. Is that in eleven? Yeah. That's okay. Not, that's later on. Okay. That's not what they call themselves, though. That's Antioch, yeah. and and and, I think when we get to that, we'll see that it appears to be more of a derogatory term. They call they themselves were the called way. this, just as, earlier. They're, you know, teaching them about this life where they're following the way mm. kind of thing. So. Well, I think, again, and, and, not, uh, um, and I'm happy to disagree because I think that would be interesting to talk about, but I feel like on this issue, Greg, you're right to say that there is something different here. But I see it not unlike the evolution that we see in Orthodox Judaism. So Orthodox Judaism traces itself all the way back to the mountain. Sure. It has it has a lineage, not just a, a like a theological construct, but actually says we have this guy gave it to this guy gave it to this guy all the way back. And they can name every guy. And yet, in first century, it wasn't Orthodox Judaism. It was the Pharisees. Right. So, Pharisee, Phariseeism is the predecessor to modern day Orthodox Judaism. That doesn't necessarily mean that Orthodox, or the rabbinic movement. Right, sure. the rabbinic movement that became Orthodox Judaism. Yeah. It does not mean that Orthodox Judaism is a new religion. It is simply a fleshed-out version of what was there before. Okay, so... And it has new new teachers. I mean, for example, we're, we, we talked about Hillel. Uh, you know, prior to... I mean, think about the amount of things that come from Hillel in, yeah. in Orthodox Judaism. Yeah. Prior to Hillel, they didn't have any of those teachings. That doesn't mean, again, that now we have a new religion. It's that we have a, 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 a more mature or a more clarified or whatever you want to call it. I think the same thing is happening here. The fact that the apostles are calling themselves the way is not to distinguish themselves from Jews or Judaism in general. It's to distinguish themselves as a particular sect of Judaism. Agreed. And in fact, I think we could more specifically say they were a temple sect oh, of Judaism. They're there right. all the time. Exactly. So 
the the only problem that I mean, because that that's exactly how it should have been. But the only problem is the group that perpetuated the teachings or the way are Gentiles. We'll <laughs> let's let's continue because now we're like reaching that's, that's now an we're excellent reaching point, and that's how, exactly how it should have been. Sure, but now like, we're reaching out, should have been outside like, much past that. Okay, right. right. So if we want to talk about the church starting in one ten. You know, that's, that is a new religion. So, so my daughters, as part of a homeschool deal, went around the neighborhood and asked the question about when did the church begin? Of course they did. <laughs> and, uh, and everybody pretty much said Acts chapter 2 or the cross or whatever. And, you know, we're diametrically opposed to Judaism that's a different religion. The only guy who got it right was the Catholic who lives next door. And he said, yeah, it used to be Judaism, and then it turned into Christianity. And if you look historically, you can, you can follow a thread. We read our Bibles and learn all about the call of Father Abraham and the creation of of the Jewish nation, redeemed from Egypt, gets land, a monarch, eventually a messiah, and then there's some kind of split. So I think if we boil down what we're saying, we have fundamentally rejected the split that came, and we are attempting to join ourselves to Israel, as Paul will later teach us, we must do for salvation. And the whole reason we're sitting here tonight is figuring out, well, how in the world should we do that? Do we wear tzitzit? Do we wear a kippah? Do we keep our head covered? Do we grow our beard long? Do we do the prayers? Do we follow the Noahide laws? Do we... All of that. So there we go. So, just to throw a little gunpowder on this fire, let's just go around the room real quick. It's just a yes or no, just so I can get you on record, and record it on the internet. So, would you call yourself a Christian? That was a heavy it, sigh it, in case it, you missed it that. It does <laughs> not define who I am based on what the world sees. It it's. I would rather say I practice Judaism. Okay. Okay. From a messianic perspective, sir. I actually have had to answer this question, um, and for lack of, of having a much longer conversation at a time when I can't have one, I usually say sort of. Um, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I usually it's it's easy to to kind of clarify some of that in that I'm wearing a kippah right. and that automatically right. makes me weird. You're, you're out of out of step with normal Christendom at that point. So, yes or no? Sort of. I mean, not really. It, okay, but so you would you would lean against? I would. I only, I only say sort of simply because theologically there's a lot of similarities. Absolutely. And, it, and, and, I, and I get where you're coming from. Again, if just, somebody's asking you if you're a Christian... You know what they really mean. Right. Do you trust Yeshua as the Messiah? Right. Or do you trust a lawbreaker as Messiah? Well, no, no. I'd say they don't. 
So, yes or no? Yeah. Because yeah? of well, well because oh. of how closely aligned Christ, the the term Christianity is with you go to church on Sunday. Okay. Or I, or Jesus taught that the commandments have been done away with. Right. Yeah, and so forth. Even yeah. Like it definitely well, it definitely changes depending on who I'm talking to, but exactly. I would say the majority of the time I I'm finding myself saying um yes because of the people that I'm talking to. Okay. Like in the context So you want them to identify asks, you as a believer. Right, exactly. The, in the context of when should... people ask, they're not asking what church I go exactly. to. Although in in most cases when they ask that, that's when we don't even talk about being a Christian or not because the answer is I don't go to church. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, in, in like the times that that it comes up, you know, I, I would I would kind of say like, yes, but is usually there's okay. there's always like the okay. yes, but we we practice like Judaism in addition, you know, something usually some kind of caveat there. And now, when um, but you got mugged on the way here. Let's see. Yeah, oh, it, it, but that is a—it's a very tricky one. I mean, it is, but, but just I think you—you you nailed went it. Off the, any, anyone who wasn't really talking about like a, have, wanting to have a conversation or something like that, usually I would probably say no because that, I think what they're referring to specifically is, do you go to church? Every exactly. Day? Yeah, mm-hmm. and, but you nailed it, and and it dovetails with, with Joshua's response. It depends on who's asking yeah. and what the reason is, right? If it's the old lady at Harris Teeter who's just thrilled with some of the theological points you just made and she wants to know if you're a Christian. <clears throat> or, yeah, or you just say like, oh, yeah, yeah, things have been great, praise God. And then someone's right. like, and you're like, a believer? I didn't know you were a believer. Exactly, and then or, what are I you going to say, you like Christian? I, right, right. So right. you got to <laughs> respond in kind. I get it. I get yeah. it. So my response, I'm going to give you just thirty seconds to kind of get into it here. Um, my response is normally like you, Jonathan. We practice Judaism, but we do believe that Jesus is the Messiah, yeah. and of course, that's going to, as you said, kick off a much longer conversation. Really. Does that mean you're messianic? Well, what do you mean by messianic? <laughs> That's the nice question. The normal. I've also got the follow up. Something like, so is that Jews for Jesus? Yeah. No. Exactly. It's definitely no, it's not. not bad. Bad. Right. <laughs> so is that Jewish macrame that you're that are hanging in front of your belt? You know. Yeah. I, I've actually gotten like I, I've I said that exact quote to somebody, and they yeah. were like, "Oh, so you're like a perfect Jew then." And I was like, <laughs> you mean perfect? Is, is, that a, is that a thing? And yeah. they're like, well, yeah, you know, like when you're Jewish, but then you also believe in the Jew, like Jesus. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know that was a yeah, thing. I mean, the term is actually a perfected Jew, not a perfect Jew, a perfected Jew. So, you call yourself a Christian? No. And there we have it. <laughs> and there we have it. I mean, yeah. for me, it's, it's I, I, what I say is it's based on the length of the interaction. If it's someone exactly. I'm going to be dealing right. with, like, like my boss is right, very, right, right. Yeah. very, very interested in this kind of thing. So I, full Monty, full explanation. Sure. I've broken down exactly yeah, like yeah. how the pyramid works, like, you know, Torah pyramid, I've done the whole thing. Yeah. Because um, that's a long interaction. But someone I meet, you know, it's just, they see bus me stop. getting, yeah. have, they have to see me with matzah in my shopping cart, mm-hmm. ask me, are you Jewish? So usually I say sure, or I'll say that my wife is, or, yeah. you know, because that works for me. Yeah. Cause so, so I know that uh, Jonathan used to say, well, Jew, 
Yeah, she plays off of that. Um, I never tell them I'm Jewish. I try to always break that into two pieces and say, like, and I'll, I'll actually, I'll, I'll work people into a lather, you know. So they'll see the keeper and they'll go, I didn't know you were Jewish. And I go, I'm not Jewish. Well, I'll give you that idea. And I'm standing there with the keeper on, you know, and, and ZT. And I didn't know I was Jewish either. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> I'm Jewish? I usually go with the, uh, with that. I usually go with my, my religion is, is usually how I respond to that question. Right, right, right. right. Okay. I, I don't know how everyone else does it, but like something that I've, I've felt, and it's probably just because of some additional things that have kind of taken place in the peripheral, but like when you're interacting with an actual Jew oh, yeah. and yeah. they ask you, like, I always have added a statement at the end of, I practice Judaism, and I'll always say, like, but I, I haven't converted yet. Like, I usually try to, like, make I, it clear, I like, I, I'm not a convert. Like, I, I am still just a non-Jew. Yeah. But, like, I am very, very interested to the point where I've incorporated a lot of Judaism into my life. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I don't, do guys I do Judaism? the same thing as you, but I don't say Judaism, I say Torah. We're studying the Torah, we see a lot of problems with what we were raised to believe, that there's some disconnects, and we've embraced Judaism, we practice Judaism, we're learning more and more, and I never mention Jewish, and, and, and it, it normally works for them, they understand where I'm coming from. And it was very valuable to approach it in that fashion when I picked up a rabbi at the airport one time. And he embraced where we were at and wanted to encourage it mm -hmm. rather than if you say, yeah, we practice, you know, Judaism and, uh, you know, you should, uh, you should really consider that prophet Moses talked about. <laughs> That's not going to get you anywhere if you're, you know, unless, you know, they owe you money. You know. You get, are you covering the question that was at the end of the lesson? You guys. No, I'm at the beginning. Okay. When did the yeah. church begin? So. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. All right. Good. All right. You guys covered that already because I have something. With that. Well, you know, if you get here late, I don't know if you can. Yeah, but again. What I was thinking is. That that's I, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it because to me, if you say the church started when Messiah was here. I feel like that was a unique experience for those people at that time with what happened. And to say that it started then, it feels like you're excluding the people who came before. Precisely. Who who had, definitely had the hope of Messiah. And sure. also, to me, if you're excluding those people, you're also excluding people who came after because they weren't there. We weren't there. I don't I don't think most people exclude those who came after. They Although, certainly are excluding well, those who came right, before. The, the experience until, is quite different, though. Oh, yeah. I right. and, and, but if you're excluding the ones before... What you missed was Joshua saying, but of course, Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith, starts with Abel. Not even Abel. It starts with Abel. Well, yeah. So you've got, obviously, people there. Right. But I, I think where I'm going is, from a pure, for me, from a pure logical standpoint, yeah. the experience the disciples and the people who believe that at that time had, not only having lived in the time of Yeshua, but being around people who, who had first-hand experience, eyewitnesses, eyewitness yeah. accounts, oh, yeah. completely different than people before and the people after. For me, the people before and after are in the same boat. In fact, you could even, if you think about it, the, the reason why says, the master said it too. Acts two is cited as the start of the church is because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that moment. Right. Well, unless you go to a Pentecostal church that currently thinks they're experiencing that, yes, chances are you haven't had that. Right. And if that's the start of the church, 
that does raise some interesting questions well, sure about what's happening today. Uh, and, and there's a lot of folks that attend churches that believe that, I, I mean, a whole Anabaptist thing, right? If you didn't get baptized, I mean, did, you, did you repent? Did you get baptized? We well, didn't get baptized here, buddy. Right. So it doesn't count. Right. So Anna, another baptism comes. I, I like the idea that you're putting the before the master and after the master people in the same boat. Um, the way, I think theologically the way to look at, that, look at that is those look forward in hope to his coming and we look back to his coming. Right, but it's the, but the master made it clear. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. And that counts, as you said, both sides of that issue. Yeah. Well, I was literally about to say that. And to, to me, sorry. when he said that, I always think of Abraham. Yeah. He saw my day yeah. and rejoiced, but yeah. it was evidently only a vision or a bad piece of uh, right. beef that night. So. <laughs> All right, good. So you mentioned the Holy Spirit. You mentioned the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being poured out, right? Yeah. Okay, so it looked to me like we had the house shaking and more wind coming. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give a plug to my own lesson here and say that a few weeks ago we did a lesson on the Holy Spirit, and um, I think that really helps here. It does. So give us the 431 thing. What do we got? So is, 431 is it different than Acts two. For those who are um, maybe don't have it in front of them, let's hang on. I got it. If I can get it to pull up. You know, of course, it's never where I want it. And when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, the experience here has parallels to Acts 2 and also to the Sinai experience, according to tradition, the fiery tongues split up, there's thunder, and they can see sound and whatever else at Sinai, right? So huge, crazy experience occurs there. Another dramatic experience happens in Acts 2. This has a parallel. I don't think it's exactly the same because really, if you look at this one, verse 31, I think the key here, the most important key is why? And that's the end of the verse. It says they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. I think, what well, we talked about in, in studying the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit has many roles, but one of the things that it, God does in, in using that agent is to give you the ability to achieve a task. Samson, for example, has the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That's how he's so strong. Mm -hmm. This seems to be focused on the fact that they're, they're facing some serious opposition, and they need encouragement to be able to, fit, to fight back, so to speak, mm -hmm. theologically as well as um, courageously. They get that. They have the inspiration to keep moving forward. And as we already have pointed out, the, the, the teachers of the day are bewildered. By their knowledge. Galileans, holy cow. And they're fishermen. Which is exactly what Yeshua said would happen. He says, you don't even know what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will speak yeah. through you. Yeah, exactly. So I think the, I, the verse 31 here to me is really focusing more on that task element. Okay. But the shaking and all that stuff is similar to the other experiences. Again, I think, because I think really we, the drama of Sinai, the drama of Acts 2, and the drama here. It's not, I don't think it's meant to be a, um, I think the idea is it's meant to be a sign. It's meant to be, the idea of it is meant to be like, uh, to, like to, to be God's seal of approval. This is what's happening, and I want you to know it's God. Not the idea that like, you know, oh, well, because their ground shook, therefore this is, you know, the real Holy Spirit. Sure. Sure. You know. 
and it kind of so acts <clears throat> acts two like what what's interesting about that one and what's so different is the focus on language yeah. and being able to understand each other exactly and that to your point that was like the purpose it was like to demonstrate almost like a supernatural unity not, not among people that well yeah it to demonstrate a supernatural <laughs> unity of of language and of of camaraderie yeah. of people from every corner of the earth now, Whereas here, you're exactly right. I mean, it's, there's it's a very specific that. reason. It's only that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So I, I agree. Hunt, yes, sir. To dovetail on what he said. Yes. Um, to me, I, I don't. I don't know if I can really compare both of the events of, of in Acts with what happened at Sinai. That's where we, I was about to go. Go ahead. Okay. So because there's, there's two things that's different to me. At Sinai, there was a definite separation where God said, okay, I'm coming down, but you need to all wash yourselves and wear special clothes. And don't, you know, there's going to be ropes. Yeah. You can't go past the ropes. Mm -hmm. And then the events and acts were completely spontaneous. Also, the other thing, it seems like God's doing most of the action at Sinai. He's, he's speaking, you know, flame and all that. And, you know, all the, the Israelites are just basically cowering in fear and just mm -hmm. saying, mm -hmm. you know, we mm -hmm. will do that. Whereas in Acts, the action is on the part of the mm -hmm. Talmudim, and they're going out and speaking and, and all these things. So, all right. so, so let me argue that. Because okay. um, <clears throat> I, think, I, think, I think everything you just said is absolutely true. But I think if we look at it from a different angle or a different perspective, we might see a different response. And that is, at Sinai... You're right. God worked. Um, certainly prep. I get that. But God worked. And his word went forth in all the known languages of the non-Jews, of the Gentiles at that time. That's, that's the belief. And his word, his written word, was given. Ultimately. And if you look at at the writings, at the Midrash, at everything that describes that event on the mountain, written by Jews, you then have a Jew writing what happened, and it appears to be unmistakably paralleling, deliberately, that same thing, where, yeah, God is talking through people, but he may have been talking through his people there. Jews are gathered. Jews are gathered on a day. Jews are gathered on the same day. And God's spirit is going forth in the same way. And the languages are there. Um, so I'm, I get where there's differences. But I think, I think clearly they're trying, because they wrote it that way, they're trying to say, we got the written word there. We got the living word here. Mm -hmm. And tremendous parallel kind of thing. To agree with both of you. Um, <laughs> Wait, how many opinions are we supposed to have in this yeah. room? Um, uh, we are working towards being Jewish. <laughs> that's right. Two Jews. Three opinions. And that's the beauty of it, because they can all be right. That's right. The point is that um, I think that I think you're both on the right... Uh, correct in the sense that on the one hand it is different from what happens in Sinai and at the same time the parallels are there on purpose right but I sort of see it as um, again what's the what's the, re the reason for it so Sinai is about meeting God 
Okay, so it's literally meeting God physically in time and space for the first time in history, sure. certainly, certainly since the garden. So the drama of that exceeds by far what happens in Acts 2 because we're talking about meeting God. Right. Acts 2, to your point, is definitely alluding to the other elements of Sinai, which is about the concept of, you know, uh, of, of the people of God, of bringing unity to the people of God, of, of teaching the Torah, uh, of creating this... Um, it's, it's a statement that God is, is a stamp, a seal of approval, so to speak, on this new community of believers to say that what they're saying goes all the way back to the mountain. I, I would agree with you, but I would, I would argue that they were actually preaching that they had met God. That's true. Although it's a different format, so hence I think less drama. But I, yes, I think it has to be less drama because, as Brock pointed out, you've got a different messenger giving the message. Right. In here, we got God Himself giving the message. Here, we've got men that are giving the message. But again, we met God on the mountain. What are these guys saying? We just spent three and a half years with God. Holy cow! Well, here's an example. Like for example, in in, in um, when they set up a tabernacle. God sends fire from heaven to consume the offering at the end of the ceremony. And everybody's like, whoa, right? So that is the acceptance of not only the offering, but also of, of the tabernacle system. Sure. Fast forward yes. many generations, Solomon finishes the temple, and the exact same thing happens. That's exactly right. Fire now, came down and... Right. It's it. not to say that you know, the temple exceeded the tabernacle right, or right. whatever you want to compare. This was a new religion right. or whatever you want to say. This is it demonstrating was, acceptance. Right. It was a parallel on purpose. The parallel was not to say that this trumps that. Right. Rather to say this is like that. Okay. Well, I wouldn't stop there. What's the next point in our lesson? What's the next thing in the scripture? Going back to the lesson now. Joseph. <laughs> Who's, who's oh, better known Barnabas. as Barnabas. Barnabas, yeah. Hmm. He sells a field, he gives the money, and then what do we get? I think exactly what you just described. <laughs> Confirmation that this message is from God, the Holy Spirit is real, and we are God's messengers. Bam! Same exact thing. Oddly enough, it's two people who die again. Exactly. Yes, sir. The one weird thing about that, I don't know if anyone else thought this, but like, I was pretty sure that Levites couldn't own any land. No, it says specifically that he's a Levite and sells his field. So I was wondering. But he's from Antioch, Cyprus. Cyprus. Meaning, so the the field wasn't in the land. Probably not. He was from Cyprus. Now it's interesting that you've got a Levite at that time from Cyprus. But that's okay. I mean, he's a Levite. He's not a Coat. I, I understand. So, like, so, Leviticus has a but there, there's like the Levites. There's what a temple in? system set up to support Levites. Yeah, no, right. But I mean, but, but the but, Torah actually has a a a step by step process for Levites who are not currently serving in the temple to come and yeah sell their property. Ironically enough, selling their property and it all being kept by them is one of the things that they're supposed to do. Right. So yeah, if they want to come and serve. Yeah, they weren't given any land, right? But they can own land. 
Okay, gotcha. And this surely was outside the land. I mean, that, that's what right, it right, says yeah, in this yeah, room. Yeah. Okay. Cyprus, not Antioch. Mm -hmm. no. You got me on Antioch. So the Levite reference may actually be on, partly on, not only because it's a cool point, but also on purpose yeah. to, to highlight the fact that he is going above and beyond. Right. He's not just doing what everybody else does, but he actually has, in some respects, a God-ordained yeah, permission to there, retain his income. Right, and there doesn't appear to be any other reason to single him out. Right. Because right before that, it says, this is what they were doing. They're selling their stuff and bringing it, you know, and everybody had everything they needed. So, in fact, it's kind of a weird foreshadowing given that he doesn't show up again for like two chapters, three chapters. Well, I, I was one of the commentaries I read um, indicated that there was, because of where he was from, it's a pretty good chance that he was studying under Gamliel. I was going to ask you about Paul. that. Why did you think that? Or why did he think that? They were like, you know, he's, he's known, he's, he's obviously a devout man, he's from, you know, that's, so this guy was like, he knows the scripture so well, hmm. and he's able to argue, I mean, they want a guy that's good, yeah, anyway, and then they get along so well. That's true. For a while. For the most part. Um, not to hijack things, but can we go back a little bit, just real quick? I knew that was Somebody's going to want to go back. Go ahead. So chapter 4. Wait, let me check the time. All right, check the yeah, time. Let's be fast. <laughs> chapter 4, um, Peter is are we, are we going his, back to? Are we going back to the shaking of the house? No. Okay. Um, something we didn't touch on because it wasn't built into the lesson. Just yeah. notice okay, we're reading. So chapter 4, Peter gives his sermon, sermonette to the, uh, the various leaders who are questioning them. And he, uh, he quotes from Psalms. And his quote is to say that this Yeshua, this is verse 11, is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. He kind of paraphrases the psalm sure. slightly. What's cool about that... Well, he I might have been quoting it from the Septuagint. He might have been. The, what's cool about that, I never noticed it until this year reading through it, is that the word the builders is... I've always thought that was in the psalms. You know, it was supposed to be just an allegory. You know, He was... Rejected by the build, the cornerstone. Rejected by the builders. You know, whatever. Maybe the builders rejected. But Peter's doing that, I think, because that's an understood term. If you look at the Musaf prayers, which I think have a quote from, I think it's a Talmud in the in one of their sections, they make a point of highlighting. There's a verse there that says that by your children you will have peace. Right. Well, and they they torque it. Children is bevaneha, I believe, but it, with a slight alteration of the word you go from children to builders boneha so it's like right, right, right. A, just a small adjustment yeah, it's like a last line in that paragraph and so it says and they use that the the sages use that because this is one of the many forms of of um jewish commentary which paul will make use of later oh, so absolutely. we can't get mad at them for doing this yeah they use that to make the point that the what the what brings you peace is your torah sages so they say the so what they're saying is that builders are Torah sages. Well, what was Shammai famous for carrying around? A builder's cubit. Right. So, and so what is Peter doing here? Peter's quoting the Psalms saying, you're the builders. Yeah. Like, you claim to be the builders. Right. And now, you're doing what the, they said the builders would do. You're rejecting the cornerstone. Yeah, which point. is a really interesting twist on that. He's not just making an allegory yeah. and saying, I think you guys fit this. He's using their own self-defined term as That's proof 
that they're doing this. That's very cool. No wonder and they were amazed that they were. <laughs> yeah, well, boy, this guy's a little you know, <laughs> twisted. The Hebrew Who too, taught him the secret yeah. language? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If he knows the handshake, he just did a drosh on the song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's interesting. I believe, if, if you, you take it into next week's lesson, that what he was telling them is consistent with what he, that being Peter, was teaching the rest of the people. Remember, we've already seen that they're committing themselves, they're devoted to the prayers, to sacrifice, the breaking bread, and to the Peter's teaching. teaching or the apostles' teaching. And I bet he's teaching that. And we're going to see next week's lesson, Stephen lays that point out with such amazing buildup and clarity. And I think it's important to understand why, because I think in modern religious discussion, we get confused on the reasons for, for Peter calling them out like that. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to somehow say, like, you Jews, you have the wrong faith, whatever. Yeah. The reason why... Globally taking the whole... Right. They just totally missed the point there. The, the reason why Peter and the other apostles are calling out the Jewish leadership, not specifically in any segment of the religion, but the leadership kind of generically, right. and specifically the Sanhedrin which, and the, the high priest element of that, is because I feel like part of their struggle is legitimacy. True. I mean, the leadership didn't accept Yeshua. Right. Now, elements have, we have, I mean, you point out, there's now three different Pharisees by name That's right. that have offered some support. And we see later in this in this week's reading that the um, there are a number of high priests, or a number of priests, not high priests, high priests, priests, priests right. who join the faith. So and, it's not... And, and here we got a Levite. Right, right. So it's not that there's no legitimacy, right. but it has not received the stamp of approval, in fact, kind of the opposite, from the official Jewish leadership at the time. Not that the Jewish leadership at the time was, you know, doing everything right by any means. But, so they have a reason for fighting. They have to argue that the, the leadership was wrong. Sure. And, and we are, we've already discussed how they've got more than one high priest right now. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. it's just all I mean, legit, oh, yeah. illegitimate. And, I, and they're from the wrong house. They're not, you know, they're not calling the whole deal. It, it, yeah, it's like this, this movement that started is like Judaism, the faith, and that kind of is always going to rub against Judaism, the business. <laughs> it's it's like, like the that. organized yeah. religion uh, of, yeah. of Judaism back then. As we point out, it's very corrupt. Yeah. I mean, and you you've just well, they, you've got the them money. trying to, exactly. You've got them trying to balance between like some of the other powers that are coming in and moving in on them from Rome, and and it's just there's a lot of issues there. And, yeah. and Yeshua was was calling them out left oh, and right yeah. on on their their decisions, why they were making those decisions, mm -hmm. why they were willing to be to fudge some things and not others. Well, and, why they'd allow the money changers in the temple, stuff like yeah. that. And, 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 we, and we've that. seen this kind of thing happen throughout the history of Judaism, where mm -hmm. there's an, an additional movement of some kind that reminds everybody of the faith of Judaism, yeah. not yeah. just like the, the business part. Exactly, that's good. And modern Judaism also critiques that time period as well. So it's not like we're the only ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Going back to his point about legitimacy, we actually now we have that same problem <laughs> because, and it's actually I think it's actually worse because at least at that time you had the disciples who were actually Jewish arguing the points with the leadership at the time. True. Who's doing that now? I mean, you just look at our community, and I realize we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, not exactly the hotbed of, of, of Judaism, but right. there's plenty of Jews here. 
There's, a, there's, there's several, like, you know, modern, conservative, you know, whatever. But in our community and people we know who believe the same things we are, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who's actually Jewish. Yeah, that's true. So I think it's interesting to look at it that way, where we're actually struggling with the same thing. And even in Israel, where there, I, I know there are Jews who believe in Yeshua. Yes. You know, who, who's standing up and arguing the points with, you know, the Orthodox? Yeah, but, you know, isn't that what we're going to see the scripture is actually going to say, right? That he's just like Joseph um, in Potiphar's household. He's this redeemer, this savior, is for all intents and purposes on the outside, non-Jew, right? And is not recognized by his brothers and is proclaimed throughout the world by non-Jews. So, um, I know, and just thinking about amazing. Moshe, it's so interesting how like, he looked so Egyptian yeah. for a lot, sure. a long time. Yeah, Joseph, Moses, and, yeah, and, and now so, Yeshua. Right, exactly. Blonde and, hair, blue eyes, really, you know. But, but like one of the things, you know, one, of the, one of the reasons that uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs reiterates why Moshe was chosen out of everybody was despite the fact that he looked very Egyptian, acted very Egyptian, like was, you know, living in, in, in Pharaoh's household and all that, like despite all of that, if there was one people that he always put above the rest, it was always the Jewish people. Yeah. He had the most respect and love and care for the Jews, Amen. his brothers. That's right. And so it's like, which is why to the, we to the constantly remind ourselves. Right, exactly. But which is why we constantly have to remind ourselves about the, the promise that if we bless Israel, we also will That's be blessed. Right. And That's exactly right. So I'm going to give you guys a mental breather here for a second. Um, I, at the bottom of page 11, um, Acts 5.14 uses a phrase that you just saw in Acts chapter 11. So we talked last week about, we added, added to what? We added 3,000 souls to what? You know, and we kind of fake that a little bit um, but actually in 11 they were added to the Lord so I was looking for how you relate that to how we opened up with uh, you know the birth of the church and everything but before that I want to I did a I did a, just a, a quick quick little thing um, the phrase the Lord has and you know fill in the blank came to my mind and I thought about this um, the Lord has those whom he has in a different sheepfold the Lord has others that he's called the Lord has those who are afar off and there's very different you know phrases there but there's there's these people groups but I thought about this phrase the Lord has and so I did a quick search and looked up the Lord has, and I just want to see, well, what does the Lord have? I have these in biblical order as I walk through my list. Do you know how many? I got all the way to Revelation and still was finding unique things that the Lord has. So I'm going to read off what the Lord has. Just kind of mentally see if you can see where I am in the Bible. Obviously, I 
starting in Genesis, the Lord has cursed. The Lord has prevented. The Lord has listened. The Lord has sent. The Lord has led. The Lord has greatly blessed. There's 98, by the way. The Lord has appointed. The Lord has spoken. The Lord has prospered. So-and-so. The Lord has made room. I like that. The Lord has been with you or you or somebody. The Lord has blessed. This is just your, your concert be flat blessed. This is not greatly blessed. I think. <laughs> the Lord has looked. The Lord has heard. The Lord has brought. The Lord has given. And then as you might expect, I'm now somewhere in Oh no, no I'm still in, I'm still in the Torah. So now we get the Lord has commanded, which is used several times. The Lord has made, the Lord has called, the Lord thank you, the Lord has put, the Lord has charged, the Lord has said, the Lord has kindled, that was the wrath thing. The Lord has promised. The twenty fourth in the list. Now we've got a promise. That must be Abraham. It wasn't, but close. Mm. The Lord has refused. The Lord has planted. The Lord has held you back. The Lord has taken. The Lord has destroyed. And 30th in the list, the Lord has chosen. The Lord has declared. The Lord has sworn. The Lord has kept. The Lord has driven. The Lord has forsaken. The Lord has avenged. The Lord has gone out. The Lord has testified. The Lord has helped. The Lord has anointed. We're up to Saul. The Lord has set. The Lord has worked. The Lord has sought. Unfortunately, the Lord has rejected. And the Lord has torn. I think we're done with Saul now. The Lord has restrained. The Lord has done. The Lord has dealt. The Lord has returned. Abigail, Nabal the fool. The Lord has turned. The Lord has broken. The Lord has told. The Lord has delivered. The, the, the Lord has rewarded. The Lord has fulfilled. The Lord has caught. The Lord has hidden. The Lord has shown, the Lord has become, I think I'm in the Psalms, the Lord has established, the Lord has remembered, the Lord has disciplined, the Lord has finished, the Lord has founded, the Lord has mingled, I can't remember what that one was, I wanted to, the Lord has won, something I don't recall, the Lord has poured, as in out something. The Lord has a sword. The Lord has a sacrifice. The Lord has a day. I like all of those. The Lord has redeemed. No. The Lord has comforted. The Lord has bared his arm. The Lord has laid foundation. The Lord has risen. Hmm. The Lord has proclaimed. 
The Lord has granted. The Lord has come. The Lord has an indictment. The Lord has truly sent. The Lord has raised. The Lord has ransomed. We got 10 more. The Lord has created. The Lord has pronounced. The Lord has added. The Lord has opened. The Lord has stirred. The Lord has planned. The Lord has afflicted. The Lord has trodden. The Lord has swallowed. The Lord has scorned. The Lord has a controversy. The Lord has prepared. The Lord has an eye. The Lord has a need. The Lord has assigned. And the last one, the Lord has forgiven. Hmm. I just thought it was a cool list. And uh, mingled, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, spirit of confusion. Egypt. Yeah, it's a prophecy, that's right. Yeah. Egypt is here, bless. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, so there you had a little mental, mental break. So the folks that we've been reading about so far were not added to the church. But in fact, we're added to the Lord. Cool. So Acts five seventeen. Somebody got that one? Not five seventeen. That's where his narrative starts. Five thirty one is the biggie here. You got? What's in your guide? Was the whole thing in the guide? Oh, I No, I just got the back end. So give me the full verse, right? Thirty one. Thirty one. Yeah. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Okay. So, is it a good summary? Yeah, that is good. So, would it be different? Is it different? Tell me, we've got two clauses here. It would be really different if it was worded how you suggested it would be reworded. To give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. It's very exclusive in my opinion. Yeah, I mean... Your host, right? Oh, oh the Lord has skipped you, <laughs> right? But what's weird is that the um, exclusion still exists, but not on the second clause, only Correct. on the first one. Correct. So, what did the master come to do? He came to give repentance to Israel. And what? What was his number one message? Message: repent, repent, confess your sins. Yeah. Uh, you know what's interesting mm-hmm. about this, though? I had thought, thought of this. I, I mean, I guess maybe in the past, but refreshing thinking about it again today. Repentance in Hebrew is, as we mentioned earlier, shuv, to, to turn. Um, the, con- the concept there is primarily the idea of returning. Right. Come back. Right. Which, if you weren't there to begin with, you have nothing to come back to. That's exactly right. So, Israel, realistically, in terms of, really is the only ones that can repent. Amen. At that time. The well, even still, the rest of us, our only hope is, to use a phrase we got earlier talking ironically about Jews, is to convert, so to speak. Well, we're going to get into that. I, I hope know, we're going to have plenty of time to do it. Uh, so to speak, I agree with you. But to I join would, them. But I would argue that once you've done that. Well, it's not to say that you... I think I would say for, for, non, for non-Israel, the issue is a different reword. It's recant. <clears throat> Repent. I, I, I would... I would argue that you should spend some time in repentance on this topic. No, 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 no. So my point is not to say that you're not changing your actions. Obviously, that's the case. But you don't need to come back to. But if you've already joined yourself to Israel and you're already about, keeping the Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Like, what about you? Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's part of Israel. And me. 
You are part of Israel. Oh, oh okay. So, so, I, I would, okay. Right. so okay. if you're not part of Israel, you, you can't, can't repent. repent. True. You have to join Israel, Correct. and then you can repent. Right. So, okay. so what is the word we would call that? That's well, and then you're, you're saying recant. That's not as exactly biblical. I thought, that was, I thought that was cute, but the yes. point is that, like, um, I mean, the word convert is not. It has a lot of negative connotations associated it with does. it. I wouldn't use convert. Let's come up with a different word. Somebody help. What what could we use? What what Sweet is it soldier. we're asking? What, well, what is it we're asking the non-Jew, the pagan, the heathen, to do? Reevaluate. Okay. I think there's a biblical. Oh, if we're talking to them, I'd say convert. It's got to be drastic. It really is. Drastic. But what does the Bible say they need to do? Keeping the commandments, keeping the Torah. What do they have to do before they do that? Repent. Turn to God. Well, his point is they can't really repent, but that was, I think, it's turn. Turn. You need to turn from your wicked ways to the Holy One of Israel. So you need to turn. You can't repent. You need to turn. Change direction. Express remorse. Ooh, express remorse. Okay, good. Good. So, who's the forgiveness of sins for? Well, that's for everybody. That's for everybody. It appears to be. And everybody sins. And God does not wish that any should perish, perish, but that... All would repent and believe. Yeah. Look at it. Yeah. Cool. At the way I looked at, sorry. Okay. The way I looked at it, since you know God's always calling Israel children, yeah. children of Israel. Right, right, right. I'm the second oldest in my family, mm-hmm. and whenever I was, it was present, and and one of my younger siblings were doing something wrong. They got in trouble, but I also got in trouble. Absolutely. Because I knew better, and yet it still happened. My dad said, you, you were there, weren't you? Like, yeah, yeah I was yeah. there. You let it happen. Oh, yes, I did. So you're in trouble. So that's how I, that's how I viewed this happening. Israel was there, so they need to set the example. I like it. But also, I think that it's important, again, to get at Yeshua's mission is not, it's, it's, it's not repentance. When? His mission then, in the first century, his, his, his appearance, his first coming, is was. not, was, was not, um, repentance in that concept is not, is not the idea of um, he's offering them the Holy Spirit, which will give them the ability to do good deeds now. He was preaching repentance. Absolutely. I mean, it was actually the idea of he was the prophet yes. that Moses prophesied about. Absolutely. He was telling them what to do, and, and they were supposed to do that. And he wasn't telling them what to do. He knew they already knew what to do. Also true. And he's telling them to... But he's also highlighting some things that particularly they need to work on. But the point is that... that like, yeah, if they had something yeah. torqued out right. that was wrong. But, I mean, the, the message to the masses was very clear. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You need to repent. Because you already have the commandments. You already know how you're supposed to live. So, and to me, as we move into the next section here about proselytes and converts and whatnot, it seems that they all are in the pool. And they all have that opportunity to repent because the kingdom is at hand and they know what to do 
because they've been taught the Torah. So for those that would say Jews are completely lost without acknowledging Yeshua as the Messiah, really need to take a look at what the Messiah actually told them. He did not say, you have to believe that I'm the Messiah. He had a lot of opportunities to say that and actually went out of his way to avoid saying it. What he wanted was true repentance. Although he does talk a lot about believing in him, and, then, and, I, and I understand that that's a little bit different from what Christianity uses, that is accepting it to your heart kind of sure. but, lingo. But, but we should also make note, because you're right about that, that almost every time he was saying that, especially in John you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, he was talking to his disciples, not to Jews in general. Well, okay, to some degree, right? that's, most of the time it may be true. But the point that I'm getting at is that like Yeshua's... The, I, I believe that the apostles' sermons in Acts hit so well on Yeshua's mission and Israel's appropriate response to it. Amen. If you think about it in the context of the modern Rebbe, and by that I mean, I'm not talking about the Rebbe who's sitting in the room with you teaching you. I'm talking about the Rebbe leader figure. The idea that you right. follow someone even after they're dead, That's right. do exactly what they said to do because you believe they were the closest that you could find to God. And on top of that, you're praying in their name. They, they have authority exactly. and a close relationship with God. So even after, I mean, there's some controversy on this point, but some elements of Judaism even go so far as to say that praying in their name or praying at their grave or whatever else after they're dead gets you a better chance of God hearing you, sure. so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. The idea is, if you think about it in that context, this makes complete sense. Yeshua is the Mashiach, therefore you must follow him. You must do what he says. He's our Rebbe. He is our leader. On top of that, he's how you get close to God. He's how you connect to God through him. Oh, by the way, because he's not dead, he also acts as intercessor on your behalf, and forgiveness of sins is through him. The methodology of how forgiveness of sins gets there is fleshed out theologically by Paul, right. but it's, I would almost go so I wouldn't say it's irrelevant, but it's not as critical a point. If he's your Mashiach and you're following him, the rest of the details take care of themselves. Amen. That, I can't argue with that at all. Yeah, very succinct. He's a good man. We'll keep him around. All right. So I did a little thing there on standing up and rising up and saying. That was cool. Was that neat? I like that. I yeah. didn't realize the same word was used so much. Yeah, it was, uh, well, you don't, you don't play in the Greek. <laughs> sure. I get it from you when you do it in the Hebrew. Um, yeah, anastami is, uh, is a pretty cool word. And I, what I want to do next week uh, for my own study is look at that word, anastami, in the Septuagint hmm. and see how it's used there as well. So. So, yeah, we already mentioned third Pharisee there. Obviously not a monolithic structure because we've got these uh, different language groups. And, um, and then we get a comment about Nicky. Nick the knife. No, Nick the proselyte. Proselytos. So... We've got one, two, three, four verses where we have that same word in the, uh, in the Septuagint used. And amazingly, 
they fit right into our list. So, somebody jump in yeah. before so, I ask if you call so yourself this a cross eye. This is this has always <coughs> just been such a tricky point, especially with knowing people that feel very strongly about like the the method of conversion. Right. And like I really feel like what has what I've distilled it down to for my family and I is looking at the Torah. The Torah seems to indicate that it's not about what you did as like a singular event, okay. but it's what you do. The sojourning is like this ongoing thing, okay. right? Liv living in you, you are amongst. living instant yeah, exactly. And and you're you're keeping the Torah right. like ongoing right. with the people that you're with. And, and, and wouldn't you say that people that do that want to? Right. And yes. there there seems to be a difference for those like me who didn't have any desire to be instant amongst God's people and then became very comfortable and desiring. Right, right. As opposed to this being a title that has you've been assigned to you after you've completed Ooh. one event. A little stamp on the forehead. Exactly. Mm -hmm. right. It's right. <laughs> yeah. And because that, that that is sort of the the easy approach that Judaism takes right now. Like it's <laughs> it's interesting to see how many even in our city, like how inexperienced Jews are yeah. with conversion because of just how surprising it is when, when a Gentile wants to I guess number one, but then on the other side of it, it's like they. It just seems like it's the easy way out to say like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, we have something for that, right? Like, go get that pamphlet, you know. And all right, here's a couple things that you need to do. Just do this, and then we'll, you know, we'll kind of we'll take care of that. Well, yeah, it as opposed to it does depending groups. on the sect, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it right. definitely so, or different city even depending well, on the rabbi. Too, yeah. Yeah. yeah, countries even. Right, but yeah. but I think here, like especially going back to to the Torah. Because see, that's that's the thing was like they were all they, they, you know the, there's that drosh about like why was the Torah given at Mount Sinai? It's because it was an unowned land, so no nation could claim that the Torah belonged to them. It belonged to the world, and, and using Jews through that, and, and and Jews were the ones that were supposed to disseminate care for that. it. And yeah. yeah, and uh, and so like when this was said in Exodus, I mean, they're all, they're, none, none of them, like, really have necessarily, like, a, a homeland, so, so this sojourning was, like, a really big deal. That's true. I mean, they yeah. were, they had to give up everything in Egypt to be sojourners right. with these people. Right, and Abraham, too. Yeah. Right, he left his Right, home. exactly, and, yeah, the beautiful thing about this was that, it, apparently, they let them. And I think that's sometimes the thing that we bump into nowadays. Mm -hmm. It's like, can't we just, you know, can't we, we just, just get along? Cool? Like, yeah. just get along. I, yeah. mean, I mean, obviously, we've we've seen people <laughs> take that approach for sure. sure. I mean, the perfect example was was the rabbi you were mentioning before who did the the bris for our son. He was just cool as a cucumber about the whole thing. Absolutely. Didn't care that people that non-Jews were wearing talits and yeah. and you know he tried his very best to insert as much of the liturgy as possible because he knew that was important to us. It, it, that's true, Greg, but I, I, I think we do a disservice to his graciousness if, at least for the people that are listening online, you don't share the perspective he originally gave you. It was only when he realized your faith 
your practice and your desire to join with Israel and, and to, to really study the Torah and grow in that, that's when he chose to be as gracious as he was. Prior to that, it wasn't a religious service to him. You were just a Gentile. Yeah. I think you moved into the non-Jew category when he recognized what a great guy you are. Mm. Your desire yeah. with the Torah. Yeah. All right, so thank you. Great soliloquy. We're going to get one from everybody here, but the final question, do you consider yourself a proselyte? We'll talk about that answer afterwards. I just want to get a... a what do you call it? A... Yeah, no, no, what are they doing? There? Census. I'm just doing census. Yeah. You just want to start the pot. I do, really yeah. Do. I, like, it's like, a yes or no, man. Yes or no. Oh, just uh, yes or no. Yes. Voting a yes. All right, who's, who's next? Let's talk about this topic. You were starting to talk well, about it. Well, at first, I was going to say, well, no, I'm not in the process of converting. But then as a spiritual mm-hmm. aspect of it, we all are. We're all converting to that as we are learning more of it we are adapting that and now you had an interesting thought before we turned on the mic right it was okay so how how to lead into that reading into Judaism 101 was any righteous person doing good and God is good, and all good is God. So any righteous person of any faith is said to be in the world to come. So, okay, Christians, they keep some Torah. Jews keep Torah. Messianics, we're, we're keeping Torah. The Buddhists, that the hippie vegan, right? They're... We do not kill, right? We we don't steal. We don't hurt. We go and help others. We put others before ourselves. Are they surprised when they're in the kingdom? It is acts of God. Um, just as much as we say Christians are a part of this, they don't know how much they're keeping, but they are keeping. Are those people in the world to come too? Judaism 101 says yes. So, what say you? Oh, specifically me. <laughs> Do you think they have a place in the world to come? I mean, that that's really tricky. I mean, why why is the Torah so specific and Yeshua himself so specific if you can just not steal your whole life and get in? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't make sense logically to me. Well, uh, I think of, uh, I think when we talk about, I, I think your original comment, Jonathan, was that everybody needs to convert. Everybody is converting, or yeah, right. needs to. Everybody yes. has to convert, even Jews. Yes. And that immediately brings up Nicodemus in my mind. Right? What was it that Nick didn't get? I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a rabbi. He's a teacher. And he's, you know, you, you've got to repent 
you got to convert. And he's like, well, hang on now. I'm, how's that going to work? I'm, I'm already Jewish, right? Born again, convert, proselyte, whatever you want to call it. He didn't get it. And Yeshua was confused and disappointed that he didn't get it. That even Jews need some type of conversion experience and need to be joined not to their family, but to the Lord. At least that's the way I take it. Mm -hmm. And that's the important part. If you're not joined to the Lord, I, you don't have a place in the world to come. You can be as righteous as you want, as we know Nick was. This guy is not just an Orthodox Jew. This guy is an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. He's a teacher. He's on the council. This guy obviously is keeping the Torah. But the master was looking for something else. And I think that's the difference in my mind between the Buddhist who is morally upright, and of course that's defined by the Torah, versus the Christian who's morally upright, who's now been saved four different times, versus the Jew who thinks that if I'm just morally upright, meaning I keep the Torah, I'll have a place in the world to come. I think, the, I think both Paul and the Master argued against that, and I think the Master's was as gentle as could be with Nick to say, hmm, you have to be born of water and of spirit. You need to be born again, whether you believe that I'm talking about that as a conversion term for Gentiles, which it was at that time, or not, you still need that. So I like the, the comment that we're all converts, including Jews, and if we're, going to, if we're going to take proselyte and turn it into convert, which I don't know if is, is legitimate, but I will, will continue to look at that. That's where I'm coming from. Comments? And yes, I would call myself a proselyte. I think convert works pretty well for, um, if we're allowed to define the term, um, are you a Christian? <laughs> right, because the problem, of course, the problem is that convert is a loaded term right. in in Judaism, absolutely, which I am definitely not, and that right. should be right. made very clear because exactly. I wouldn't want to confuse someone. So, but again, to the to the conversation we were having earlier on, you know, do you call yourself a Christian? Right. The answer depends on who you're talking to. Because you're talking to. It's the same thing with convert, find. right? Well, well, have you converted yet? Greg is like, no, no, I want to make sure you know that we I haven't converted yet, right? right? But in, you know? if you look at Ephesians chapter two, which we looked at. I think at one point, one of these weeks, um, Ephesians chapter 2 makes it pretty clear you're not born Jewish. You are not part of the family. Right. You have to enter the family. So so the people who are already in the party, they might need, you know, there may be a special room that they get to go to the mm -hmm. after party, mm -hmm. but, the, right. but the idea of, but they're already you're, in the group. You're not even at the party. You're not even at the party. Right. You need to, um, you know, you got to get the stamp on your hand, so to speak, um, in order to get into the door. Exactly. And that that concept, I would consider a, a conversion type sure. concept. Yeah. And I think if if we're all sort of in agreement there, even the 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 camo among us, um, if if that's true, 
then I think we need to recognize that conversion, like we're talking about, proselyte type stuff, ought to be a one-time thing. That's back to the repentance thing we were talking about. If you truly have converted, if you truly have had your heart circumcised by God himself, if you truly are a proselyte, then you should be walking properly and obedient to the master. And if you are, great. If you're not, then that word repent comes in quite well to turn you around and get you back on the quote-unquote straight and narrow. Yes? I think he goes first than me. Well, I, I think that's true because you see the Talmudim say this about the, the Jews who are living with, with the Greeks, the James, things that James says, things that Peter says. Yeah. That's also what he says. Yeah, exactly. But, but to that point, though, about it's a one-time thing, that is true when it's a legitimate event. But think, let's put it in the context. Wait, wait, wait. I just want to make sure we're clear before we get into it. Whether or not it's a one-time thing or whether it's legitimate whether you're truly a convert is not up to the individual. It's up to God. Oh, right. Because God has to do that work, not the guy. True. Right. But like to go to Greg's point earlier, he's the example of the sojourner. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great illustration here. You, let's say hypothetically speaking, live in Edom, or let's say think maybe less hostile area, <clears throat> Phoenicia, and you decide that you want to come and join yourself to the people of Israel. Mm. You 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 move. 50 miles south, you, uh, you you come to a Jewish community, you convince them that you're not there to kill them. They welcome <laughs> you in. It takes a little while. It takes a little <laughs> while. They welcome you in. There's a catch. you got to live like they do. Right. So And, depending on what time of year you got there, there's not too long before you must get circumcised. Right, there's something so... Pesach's um, coming. The point <laughs> is that Judaism gets this with conversion. When, when a convert converts, Judaism makes it very clear to them oh, that... Almost trying to talk them out of it. Yeah, well, the reason why, because this is the line you cross. Yeah. You don't go back. Right. You don't go, hey, you know, on second thought, I'm, I'm not so into this after all. Right. Instead, because once you've converted, now you are subject to the penalties of being part of the family, exactly. which, is we, which is, you know, I'm sure all of those who have children in this room, their children know... Penalties are stiff when you're in the family because you're in the family. He disciplines those he loves. Um, and so the idea is that in this case, uh, for somebody who's going to move into a Jewish community, physically move, right. convert, so to speak, that's going to probably be a one-time thing. And if it's not a one-time thing, if they move and then try to move back out again, that's a cut off, don't come back, we'll never want to see you again kind yeah. of moment. Yeah. And in fact... Or maybe we're stoning you as you're going out. Yeah, they're going to treat you like that. You know, that that can't be done. Right. Well, that is kind of a sticky point with this whole thing, is like that theology of Judaism that you you are not only not responsible for keeping the Torah before you convert, but that you're discouraged from keeping the Torah before you convert. And I just want to make sure that we're kind of clear on like where we sort of stand on that. I don't know where we stand, but I can tell you that's the stupidest thing that I've ever well, heard. That, but that's why they do that. That's why right. they say, right. hey, Can don't you, you, are you sure you want to convert? You really don't want to? Because that's coming from a presupposition of saying, 
you you are not responsible for any of the horrible right. things that oh, you're sure. doing right now. Yeah, but which I don't. We I, would think is ridiculous. It would be great if they were altruistically saying that. But, but I, I I think it's there's a little underlying deal there as well, and and some of it some of it is justified, right? It was it was that, that was why the history was important. Yeah, because it, it, the right. the caution is absolutely justified. Sure. Yes. And and yeah. so one of them said, you know, don't trust a convert. Who was it? Chemai. said, don't trust a convert to three so generations yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And well, and but to, to clarify my point earlier, I'm not saying that those who don't accept the Torah are not responsible for sinning. And therefore, can get a, a you know. Right. It's my point, though, is simply to say that, like, if you think about, if you physically moved somewhere, and assimilated into that country, and then take it a step further and assimilated into that religion, yeah, you get the idea of how it's a one-time event, quote unquote. Sure. But it must be followed by an ongoing lifestyle, and that was the only point I was trying to make is to say yeah. that the idea. Yeah, the, the modern concept of, of the Ellis Island-style Christianity where you come in, and once you're in, you can do whatever the hell you want, literally. Right, right. You know, that's not what this is. That's not the biblical model. The biblical model is you come in to be like us. Yeah. You do what we do, yeah. well, and I, there's not an alternative. I, I was actually going to use the Ellis Island as an example for this. Oh, okay. In that my grandparents came in through Ellis Island... And work their butts off in order to earn their citizenship, to act like Americans, and to improve the culture, right. continuing what was already here, as opposed to the illegal immigration. Okay. Maybe the better example is the crossing <laughs> the Rio Grande. Right. Example, yes, you know. that's right. Similar example, my grandfather immigrated from Canada to this country. His, his parents immigrated from England to Canada. To Canada, okay. So you might think, where's my English accent? You would think I'd have one. It's all I'm only two generations removed, but I'm not because my family assimilated to this You're American. Country. I'm an American. Amen. Yeah. I'm as American I mean, as my wife is, and her family's been here since before America started. Nice. This is kind of how it all is with pretty much every religion, though. Like, there's always an expectation that once you've kind of joined anything, once you've joined a church, I mean, you are automatically, like, put under their code and encouraged by people, like, oh, no, we don't go to that place anymore. You're a Christian now. Like, you're right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so there's, like, elements of that, I think, in almost every single, like, not just even religion, but, like, any kind of, like, group that you're joining. Sure. True. But it's not really unique to Judaism. Well, but I guess my only point that I'm trying to get at is Judaism doesn't, see a the one-time event I feel like and this is not true of of, 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 a, of conservative Christianity so I want to clarify that sure but Christianity has a tendency towards the fire insurance model right you get saved did you because the question is oftentimes people say I don't know if I'm really going to go to heaven or not they don't ask well how are you living they ask did you walk in the aisle did you get baptized right. did you raise your hand did right. you pray the prayer right it's a one-time event, and everything else is irrelevant after that. Judaism and conservative Christianity, I would say, you know, um, would and and any kind of immigration system right. it's would say the opposite. Of a new it's the start of a new life, mm-hmm. and if you don't keep the new life, if you don't do the things that we do, that's not acceptable. Exactly, and and, and you only, can't be part of the group and anymore. There's only two choices, right? Either you weren't serious on the front end. Where you've had some kind of mental lapse, and you need to repent mm-hmm. and get back with 
to group. But the point is that you can't stay in the group and not act like That's you. right. And in fact, we see that throughout the Torah as these people are cut off from their people. Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Final comments on the proselyte deal. I think it's my turn. It's about time. <laughs> you got to call for final comments and get him to move sometime. Right? <laughs> um, so to, to answer the question, would I call myself a proselyte? I wouldn't. And here's why. You, you would not? I would not. Would not. Okay. Because, and we've been talking about this, you know, the proselyte is someone who's, who's in, who's been welcoming, who's part of the greater Israel, so to speak. That's the way, at least that's the way I read it, and that's the way I understand it. Mm-hmm. And at this stage, I, I'm, I'm definitely not part of the greater Israel, nor would I, do I think if greater Israel were to, we would sit down and I would explain where I'm coming from, I don't think they would let me in. So I would hesitate to use that terminology to describe what I am. How well, you it's, it's a There's a difference between, like, what are you sojourning into? Are you sojourning into the culture of Judaism? Or the or like the people, or the, so, the their their god basically. I see, I understand where, where the distinction we're making, but but to me, when we say Israel, I think of the dominant religion. The Israel of God. Well, no, I, I think of Israel of right now. The physical Israel. Physical Israel, yeah. So when we say we want part of but we're Israel. not but we're not talking about physical Israel. Okay. Right. Are we're we? talking about the Israel of God. Well, we can't be because the physical Israel wasn't. I mean, you know, it was. It wasn't that long ago that the state of Israel wasn't even right. around. Right. Right. But I, we. But, I, but it is around now. Right. But I don't. I don't think we're joining the nation of Israel. We're not giving up our physical citizenship. I'm not saying that either. So what are you saying? Okay. Um, I mean, I, I think I understand your point. I just don't like it. So <laughs> I'm going to talk to you. Um. I guess the way I'm looking at it, the leaders of Judaism, quote-unquote, are the Orthodox. And they won't let you play. And they won't let me play. I, I agree with that 100%, so, but I would right. still call you a proselyte. Right, but I wouldn't, because <laughs> if we because, 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 because of the same thing that, that you were talking about, that great experience. Whereas he, Greg, wanted to do this thing out of a, an honest and you know genuine desire to do it. Yeah. The, the, the Moyle, the, the guy who's going to do it, yes. didn't see that way until he... You know, understood that. Yes. But it's the way I read the Torah is it the, the the Jewish aspect, the Jewish view on that should be whenever they want to come and be like you, you should welcome them. I I'm with you 100. percent I got you. Hang on one second. I'm with you 100. percent But I think what you're doing is cool point by the way. I think what you're doing is you're allowing their response to you to determine your description and I don't think it's up to them it's completely up to God yeah. because the, the, the proselyte if you will, the convert the one who's born again according to the master when he's speaking to an orthodox Jew who has already been one of the people that is determining how a non-Jew comes in I don't think it's by accident that he chose that term that they chose for the non-Jew to tell him he needed to be. So even then, their attitude towards you and I was not what you and I see the Torah saying it should be. So the master was calling for some type of born-again experience, some type of conversion. 
some type of become a proselyte kind of thing. So I would say we should call ourselves proselytes. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But the, the, the problem, I guess the problem I have is, like, we would say, like, like Greg said, he would say, you know, I do these things, but I'm not converted yet. I wouldn't even say that because that, that gives them the idea that I'm going to convert to Orthodox Judaism mm -hmm. and I'm mm -hmm. not going to do that because I don't agree with the way that they view a lot, they, of stuff. a lot of stuff. They wouldn't agree sure. with me believing in Yeshua and I'm not going to hide that. But no, well, we're not saying that a proselyte is a member of Orthodox Judaism. We're saying a proselyte... And I'm not necessarily saying that either. But okay, well, then we don't know what you're saying. Right? <laughs> now, what I'm trying to say is... I don't want to use... When I was in the land, I'd say, well, I believe the same as you, except I believe the Messiah's already come once. Mm -hmm. They would always default to say, oh, you're a Noahide, right off. So is a Noahide a convert, or is it kind of in the process of conversion? I was always labeled that. Oh, you're a Noahide. For, I can tell you for Orthodox Judaism, that you've only got two choices. <laughs> if you haven't converted, then you need to be a Noahide. Okay. That's the only two choices. Either that or you're a pagan. Right. So if you're drawing some type of bond or relationship with Israel, well, and you say, haven't converted, then you are a Noahide in their minds. But now you're, you're falling into his trap of taking what they've done with it and their descriptions, and I just don't think they are right. I, I, I don't think they're right either, but... When, ta when, when talking with someone who is coming from that standpoint, yeah. I don't want to give them the... I wouldn't call myself a proselyte to them. Well, I'm, I'm just talking about here at the, at the coffee table. We started the whole conversation by saying, is, would you call yourself a Christian? Right? Yeah, I, and I said, no. But, my, but it's the same thing, yeah. is what I'm trying to point out. And that's why I added it at the front and the back. Yeah. To me, it's the same thing. What do you call yourself? Well, do I call myself a Christian? It's rare for me to use that term. But again, it depends on who I'm talking to and what their real question is. Mm -hmm. What church do you go to? You don't really care what church I go to. You want to know what church I attend so that you can figure out what my theology is to see if you want to come to my Christmas party. Right. And in the same well, it turns out <laughs> I don't do Christmas. <laughs> 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 you know, in the same can. way, like when you talk to a Jew, they're trying to either find out, A, if you're Jewish, B, if you've converted. And you take care of both of that by saying, I... Because it, it, it sounds so weird to be like, no, I'm not Jewish, and no, I haven't converted. And then it's like, then why are we even speaking? <laughs> you know, yeah. Because you're, you're usually, in that context, you're usually asking them to do something or asking to be a part of something that they do, which would, it would be, it would, like, none of that makes any sense at all, right. unless you indicate in some way that like, the same desire that a convert has, you have, you just haven't converted yet. Right? You're on so the you're like, on the journey, like which you, is which is exactly what that rabbi that did the bris thought. Right, because it's like in the Jewish mind, like to your point, you're either saying that you're a Noahide, which would probably work a lot better than saying I haven't converted yet, um, or you're saying I am in the process of conversion, right? Like saying you haven't converted yet isn't saying you're in the process of conversion. Now we're splitting hairs that yeah. I didn't intend for some politics. I, 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 well, I, 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 I mean, I I respect where you come from. I don't agree with using the terms. Using the terms, yeah. yeah. I, I, for me, it's it's too specific, and it, I, I feel there's too great of a chance for confusion about what they think I. I I'm with you 100, percent and that's not what we're talking about. Okay. So, bottom line, 
closing point? Has there been some conversion experience in your life? Yes. <laughs> so he's a proselyte. All right. Yeah. So I think this was cool because it's generic and it's lifted up, I think, from getting into the, the, the deep doo-doo of what this particular sect believes and what this particular sect believes and whether they're in your state or in your state or they're up and they come up to New York and it's a completely different deal. We know people who have gone in that direction and I don't want to go in that direction. No desire whatsoever. But I do want the orthodox kind rabbi to understand the practice of my faith so that they'll listen, offer suggestions, stuff like that. I would never call myself a proselyte to a Jew. But it is interesting that the Jew was asked in somewhat different terms, aren't you a proselyte? Aren't you a convert? And if you haven't converted, how come you don't understand what I'm talking about? So that was the deal there. I think uh, what we call ourselves is not as important as you said, as what we do. And what we do, according to the master, is what should make others realize we've either been with him or we're studying what he said and what he did, that's the key, what we do. And that's what's, I think, drawn us all into the Judaism-type mode is, it's like being in the Army. I'm a private in the Army, and they hand me this book, and they tell me, if you do what's in here, we'll promote you to corporal. You're kidding. You wrote it down? You told me everything I need to do? And I get more money. Stripe on my side? I was a corporal in no time. There's a new book. This is what you need to be a sergeant. And I became a sergeant. Here's what you need to do. To be you wrote it down? So the Lord has written it down for us. It's so cool. I, I think uh, at some point we need to kind of come back and revisit this a little bit and determine um, where our pride may need to kind of get squished down a little bit, right? Because we weren't chosen. We got skipped over, right? And only because the ones that were chosen rejected him. And only because of that. And only because he helped them to do that do we even have an opportunity. So I praise, praise God for that. Joshua, close us in prayer, sir. Book, I don't just you know just subject. kind of wing it. Give us some God stuff, you know. Okay, as the Spirit leads. Um, <laughs> uh, In Father, power, no doubt. Yes, Heavenly Father, we thank you for a chance to study your Word and to, to talk about um, the apostles and things that you have taught them and that you're teaching us through them. We pray that you uh, continue to guide our study as we spend more time digging into it over the, these next weeks and months. Um, that you would show us what you. Uh, not only what you would want us to understand from uh, what you were teaching them, but also uh, how we might live and how it might change our lives today. We pray these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, guys.